All right. If you would take your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. You say, wait a minute, Christmas has already gone by. Well, <laughs> one more message out of this. I know we're... You know, sometimes we see things in uh, movies, and I'm not talking about the the science fiction and far-fetched kind of stuff of, and, and the superhero Avengers kind of stuff, but simply in, in movies, you know, good guys trying to get the bad guys and all, and sometimes we see some things that they do, and we just kind of go, no way. There is no way they could do that, you know? And you have to see it to believe it, if you will. And uh, even today, you know, we have organizations and, and uh, around us, uh, uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, that kind of thing. They show them on TV. Uh, when the circus, it, it used to be when the circus would come to town, there were always these strange folks. You know, you could see the world's tallest person or the bearded lady or whatever it was, you know, and you, you just kind of go, no way. They don't have that, you know. The two-headed whatever, you know, and you'd go, no, man, I can't. I don't, really? That's, and so you'd have to go and, and check that out. Uh, there's a, a place, uh, uh, and at Ripley's, believe it or not, they got a, believe it or not, a 1908 Rolls Royce made up of simply one million matches. Well, that's kind of cool, but I don't really believe it unless you actually go there and see it, which I haven't been there to see it, but I've seen it online, you know, and it's kind of, well, that's kind of cool, you know, and, and you just think these things that you got to, you don't really believe them until you see them. You don't know the name George Hood, but he's an ex-DEA agent. For all you health fanatics out there, this guy planked for an hour and 20 minutes and five seconds. Coach, an hour, 20 minutes and five seconds. Next time, those kids are whining about 15 seconds in the gym, you know, remind them of this former DEA agent, George Hood. You got to see it to believe it. William Pruitt, this is a guy who completed five Ironman triathlons in five days. We've all heard the name Nick Walenda. He uh, walked across that tightrope across the uh, Niagara Falls. No way, did that? Yeah, he did, and they showed it on TV. You got people like David Blaine out there who was entombed in a plastic box for seven days. He was encased in a block of ice for 64 hours and stood 100 feet high in the uh, air on just this pillar and was there, had to stand there for 35 straight hours. I tell you that, and you're like, no way, but yet... These things happen because people saw these things happen. And when we look at the virgin birth of Christ, when we look at, at what happened afterwards, sometimes we kind of we, we, we lose some track of some things. You know, this, this whole birth of Christ here in Luke chapter 2 that we see in, and also in Matthew chapter number 1, sometimes we, we, we look at that and we go, man, that sounds amazing. But you really, you know, we, we believe on that now, but can you imagine the amazement of the people that were actually there. Can you imagine the amazement of the shepherds who were there who had been hearing about this for hundreds and hundreds of years? They had to go there to see it. They had to see it in order to believe it. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 8 through 20 together. So if you would stand with me out of respect to God's word as we read this passage. And we're going to take a little bit 
of a turn here today in the sense that, you know, we talk about the Christmas passages. We spend so much time on Mary and the virgin birth and Christ and all, and that's all good. We should do that. But sometimes that's kind of where it ends, and then after that we just kind of go, oh, okay, shepherds, angelic, heavenly hosts, Lord of God, nice, okay, whatever. Yeah, and we just kind of, we kind of let it go at that. But there's so much more there after the birth of Christ that we need to take and say, you know what, this is for us. This is for every single one of us. Luke chapter 2, verse number 8, and we're going to read all the way down through verse number 20. Luke 2, 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. I think you would be too, amen? I know I would be. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, and you will find uh, a, a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now... When they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Father, bless this, the reading of your word, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Often we read about the virgin birth and, and Christ and all that. I, I mentioned that before. And we kind of just kind of rush through this part of the, the episode there. We're just glad the virgin birth took place and the Savior's born. Amen. But we also look at something here that if you read it too quickly and you don't catch it, it's a very important principle that we all have to glean from and we all have a responsibility to obey. And sometimes we don't realize the significance of all the Scripture, all of the Word of God. There's a profound example when it comes to the reactions of the shepherds and their response to this great news. In verse number 8, it speaks of, obviously, these shepherds watching over their flocks by night. Listen, these were ordinary guys, ordinary people, shepherds. In fact, they were pretty down low on the totem pole when it came to uh, being in society. You know, people didn't think much about them. They were the lower class people, uh, just ordinary people out there doing their thing, doing their job, right? Just taking care of sheep. That was their job. That's what they did. They lived out in the fields. They spent time with the sheep. They fed them. They cared for them. They uh, helped in healing them when, they were, when maybe they were cut or possibly uh, injured themselves or what have you. Uh, they also used these, these uh, uh, sheep for sacrifices, used these sheep for meals, obviously, and uh, eating. So nonetheless, these sheep, these guys are just doing their job, okay? Nothing necessarily special about them. So then this angel shows up out of nowhere, and they, they, of course they see this, they see something very unusual, something very exciting. Can you imagine the, the excitement that was uh, just building up within them when all this took place, even though they were afraid at first? And it's something that they heard about, 
something they had waited upon, something that they had hoped for for centuries and centuries and centuries, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, being born as a virgin, the Savior had come. The Messiah had been born, and boy, it just takes off from there. Today, what I want us to see in here are three things concerning the salvation that was born that we can learn from, that people, they take into their own lives, and things that, a process that we all went through, and then they come to a conclusion of, okay, now this is what we need to do. First of all, I want us to see that salvation was exciting to contemplate. It was exciting to contemplate, to think about. They hear this message. This angel arrives. The glory fills the sky. Black skies and stars all of a sudden turn bright everywhere. And you know that's going to get their attention. Would it you? Would it you? You could say yes, it's okay. Yes, it would, Pastor, it would. It would just lit up the sky. And the angel says in verses 10 to 12, don't be afraid, just behold. What does behold mean? Look. Look. Look at what I'm about to tell you. Look what I'm about to show you. Behold. Behold good news. Great joy for everyone, for all people. A Savior, Christ, the Lord, baby, wrapped in cloths. These cloths, in other words, an infant, a new baby. Woo! You know, we all get excited about that, right? This is exciting news. This baby's lying in a manger, and, and you look at it and get, what? He's the promised Messiah, and he's in a manger. This Savior, this Christ, this Lord, this King in a manger. Well, that, that just makes my curiosity go to a whole new level now. So they were contemplating all of this. Verses 13 and number 14. This, not the angel, but a multitude of heavenly hosts. Not just an angel, but many probably angelic hosts praising God. Can you imagine the volume of that? Can you imagine the volume of these angelic... Well, glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine what it must have been just bombastic, loud, you know, crank it up. I wonder if they have bass in heaven. I don't know. I'm just telling you, they weren't doing well, glory to God in the highest. Woo! You know, wasn't that at all. Man, they were just shouting this thing out. Glory to God in the highest. Peace has come. Goodwill to men has come. I think it's interesting here, the word peace, the root word literally means to join together. In other words, God has come from heaven, come down to earth for one purpose, to do what? To join together sinful man back to a glorious Savior, a great creator who has come to die for mankind. This salvation is great news and it's great joy for all people coming from God, announced by an angel, followed by another angel, a host of angelic hosts, praising God and saying, this is incredible. And God used a, a virgin girl who brought this child, the Savior, into the world, Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, the angelic host proclaiming. Can you imagine the excitement of the people? Well, I guess so, preacher. No, we don't get it. We don't get it. Folks, this is something they have waited on for thousands of years. And all of a sudden, angels are filling the sky, north, south, east, and west, everywhere you can look. And they thought about this, and they contemplated it. Some of you today, 
you're thinking about it. It's Christmas season. You're either thinking about it for the purpose of salvation. I've never received Christ. Or maybe you've been living a lie all your life. Maybe you've been telling everybody all along, oh yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. The demons believe and they tremble. We've heard that before. We've said that before. But you've never truly put your life in the hands of the living God. That's what needs to happen. And you're thinking about it. You're thinking through it. I, I think of the, when the Apostle Paul and his missionary journeys in Acts chapter 24. Do, do that with me. Hold your finger here in Luke 2. Go with me to Acts 24, please. Acts chapter 24. So we've been thinking about it for salvation purposes. Acts 24, verse number 24. Paul and his missionary journeys, and one thing you'll find out about Paul's missionary journeys is he's constantly sharing what God has done in his life. He's constantly sharing his testimony. He's constantly sharing the story of uh, the, the, the conversion in his life that took place on the road to Damascus. Here, Acts 24, 24. After some days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. What was Felix doing? He was contemplating this whole thing. How do you know he was contemplating it? Because he was afraid. He was fearful. He didn't want the judgment of God on him and the wrath of God on him. And it's this thing about the wrath of God coming upon the Son of God, truly real, this whole thing about the cross and what Paul's telling me. So he's contemplating. He's thinking about it. We find the same thing in chapter 26, verses 24 to 28. He's speaking here to Festus and Agrippa. Acts 26, 24. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Paul, you're crazy, man. you got too much information in your brain. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king who, before whom I also speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. What was Agrippa saying? I'm thinking about it. I'm turning it over in my mind. Boy, there are folks that you work with every day. There are folks that you go to church with. There are folks that you, you hang out with. They're not saved yet, but they're thinking about it. They're contemplating it. And this message was so joyous. This message was so great. Let me ask you a question. What message concerning the gospel does your life speak? Obviously, the angel, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, the heavenly host, their message spoke joy, great news, great hallelujahs, glory to God in the highest, and so on. And it caused these shepherds to go, wait a minute, what's going on here? I want to be a part of this. And they began to think about it. 
my question to you is, what does your life preach? What gospel does your life preach, if any? Do people see and hear you and they watch you and they go, man, I want some of that. I want what they've got. They, I don't understand what it is that they've got, but they've got something. It's a joy, it's a peace, it's a love, it's, a forget, it's something that they've got that I just don't see anywhere else. But God just exudes out of their life, just oozes out of their life, and people see it. What does your gospel look like at home, at work, at the store, at the restaurant? Some of you are going to go eat something at a restaurant here, right after church. Will they see Jesus? Will your server know that you are a Jesus follower? I hope so, because people are contemplating. People are thinking about it. But secondly, the salvation was not only uh, exciting to contemplate, but it was an opportunity to appropriate. An opportunity to appropriate. In other words, to receive. Look at verse number 15 back in Luke chapter 2. An opportunity to appropriate or to receive it. Verse 15. And they said, so it was when the angels had gone from them, away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known uh, the saying which was told them concerning this child. They found Mary. They found Joseph. Most importantly, they found Jesus. You know, it's one thing to think about Jesus. It's another thing to take Jesus. Amen? It's another thing to receive Jesus. There are a lot of people who think about Jesus, but aren't a whole lot of people who truly receive Jesus into their lives. I said, well, pastor, how do you know that they received Jesus in their life? Because in verse number 17, it tells us that they couldn't help themselves. They had to make it widely known. Right away, they had to go tell the news. The virgin, the virgin, Isaiah 7, 14, virgin. That was predicted. He's here. That woman has given birth, and that Savior is here. That wonderful counselor, mighty God that Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah 9 is here. They made widely known the saying. In other words, what they heard and what they saw changed everything. All of a sudden, keeping sheep was secondary. What they had heard and what they had seen, it was all validated. The prophecy was validated. When we think about uh, what a lot of the things that Jesus did, go to Matthew chapter 9 with me, please. Matthew chapter 9. Verses 1 through 7. Matthew 9, 1 through 7. So he got in a boat and crossed over and came to his own city. And then behold, then they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Uh-oh. That's a no-no, isn't it? At least so the people thought. At least the religious leaders thought. And at once... Some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, notice it doesn't say he heard their voice. It says he knew their thoughts. He says, why do you think evil in your hearts? 
For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had been given, uh, who had been uh, given such power to men. What are they doing here? God's saying here, and we, saw, we find a similar episode in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26, when the paralytic was let down through the roof. But the people were amazed, and, and some believed. God's saying here, listen, you've heard it, you've seen it, it's time to believe it. It's time to appropriate it. It's time to receive it. It's time to take it and claim that as your own. You've heard, you've seen, now believe. Or maybe, maybe you've already believed. Maybe you know Christ as your Savior, but you're so far away from the Lord. You forgot what it was like. You've forgotten what great news it is. We've forgotten about the joy have you ever lost the joy? Do you remember? I, don't, I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, it was like, whoo. You remember that? I remember, man, when I got saved, I, I shared my, my testimony with you and at that camp and at that little, uh, little church building, honestly, about the size of this one. And I remember when I got up off of my knees from praying, it, you know, you talk about walking on cloud nine. You know, you just got to get a little jump in your step there. And it's, it's like this weight. And I'm going, and I I can't explain it. I just know that it was great. God did something. And sometimes we, we lose that. But salvation here is an opportunity to receive. Oh, person, listen, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you please receive him today? Would you please ask him into your life today? Maybe you're away from the Lord and you need to surrender. You need to come back to the altar and say, God, I'm sorry. I've been running from you. I've been cursing you. I've been avoiding you. I haven't spent time with you. I haven't thought about you. I haven't thought about your body of believers. I haven't thought about the church. I haven't thought about ministry. I haven't thought anything about God. Oh, God, please, I surrender. You know, whenever uh, we live here, in a, uh, obviously sim- close to the beach uh, in respect to the rest of the, the country, and uh, so they would consider us beach community. When we lived at Pompano Beach, literally we were 10 minutes away from the beach. And there were kids who would come to school, Dr. Martin, they would come to school with their cars. And they would have surfboards on top of their cars ready to go. After school, poof, hit the beach, you know. And uh, which here in the Gulf, you really don't get many waves. Get over there on the East Coast, you can get some good ones over there. But anyway, we would get out there and they, they would have all up and down these beaches. And you've seen them, these houses, right, that, that house all of the lifeguards. And the lifeguards stand just... As far as you can see, one way in the other direction. They have them over there too. And they teach them whenever you see someone drowning, whenever you see someone struggling in the water out there, get out there to them, but leave them alone. Because while they're struggling, they're kicking and they're fighting and they're swinging and they're, they're swirling and twirling. And, they're, and the whole time they're doing that, if you try to rescue them, what's going to happen? They're going to take you down too. So lifeguards are taught to let them drown. Or almost drowned. And then when they finally have given up, when they finally surrendered, when they finally have no energy left, when they finally are to a point where they're not going to take you down, okay, now it's time to put your arms around them. Now it's time to have that, that device or whatever it is, that flotation device, and bring them back to shore. 
because they finally have given up and said, I surrender. You know, we sing that song, I surrender all. But I'll tell you what, often we sing that song, we don't mean it. Let me say that again. Often we do not mean it. Because I don't think we truly understand what it means to say, I surrender all. All includes you. All includes your job. All includes your family. All includes your bank account. All includes your free time. All includes your, and we could just go down the list. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I believe all includes all. And that's all all means, right? I'm not saying God's not for those things. But I think sometimes we just we become unaware of that. Salvation here is to be appropriated. That is, you are to be saved. And if you are saved, man, some of us just need a fresh recounting of that salvation experience and come back to the Lord today. It needs to be reappropriated in your life. Number three, concerning the salvation that uh, we see here with these shepherds. They were contemplating it. They were receiving it or appropriating it. And thirdly, salvation was important to communicate. This is so, so important. It's not just important to receive, but it's important to communicate. It says here in verses 17 through 20, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And you look further, all verse 18, and all those who heard it. No, it doesn't say just one. It says all those. In other words, there was a multiple, many people who heard it and marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Verse 20, the shepherds were returning doing what? Glorifying and praising God. By the way, when they were returning, they were returning together. Praising God. They were communicating what they had just seen. They were communicating what they had just heard. It's interesting here, the, the phrase were in verse number 17, they made widely known. And this is what's known as a, and for all of you English scholars out there, what's known as a transitive verb. A transitive verb. It means it makes sense only when it exerts action upon an object. As long as the shepherds went away glorifying God and praising God and making known widely the salvation story that they just experienced, people were going to at least hear them and some were actually going to be saved. But if they had kept their mouth closed, nothing would have happened. Because there would have been no action acted upon it. They made widely known this saying. Gabriel started out announcing to Zacharias and Elizabeth that John the Baptist would be born. Gabriel then went to Joseph and said, your wife is going to have a child, he knowing that his wife was a virgin. Then that same angel, Gabriel, went to Mary and made the announcement. Then an angel appears before the shepherds and makes the announcement. Then we have the multitude of heavenly hosts appearing before the shepherds and making the announcement. And then the shepherds are talking to one another, talking about the announcement. And then they're talking to each other, not just each other, but the others, people that are in the region. And then they're going back to their homes and they're, they're talking about it and at work. And, and, and they're making the saying known. Take your Bibles. Go to 1 John with me as we begin to close this thing out. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Folks, this is so important that we grasp this, and we, we, we often just dismiss it 
as, as shepherds seeing a glorious sight in the heavens, and, and uh, they're all happy and, and everything, but this is so very important. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 1. John, the apostle, the beloved disciple, one of the three that were in the inner circle, the one who followed Jesus was probably the closest to Jesus. This is what he writes. He said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our eyes and our, ha our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Who's he talking about? Who's the word of life, church? Jesus. Man, we've heard him. We've seen him. We've looked upon him. We've watched him. We've observed him. We've touched him. We've done ministry with him. this word of life. The life was manifest. In other words, the life was made known, and we have seen, and I'm bearing witness to you, and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested or made known to us. That which we have seen and heard, we do what? Declare. Everybody say declare. declare. Say declare. declare. We declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. John said, man, I want you to be in fellowship with us. I want you to be in fellowship with King Jesus. I want you to be in fellowship with the Father. And so I'm going to declare it to you. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write. Why? That your joy may be full. Making the message known. John said, man, I have to. I have to. Everything I've seen, everything I've heard, everything I've witnessed. Woo! Think about that for a few moments. Three and a half years of hanging out with Jesus. Good. And we're just talking about what we know in Scripture. Who knows what he did that's not recorded in Scripture? Oh, my. We're talking about three and a half years. 365 days a year. That's pretty incredible. By the way, I want you to see here that they made, made it widely known in three ways. Verse number 17 it, they, everywhere they went, they made it known widely. The NIV says that they spread the word. The New Living Translation said that they told everyone. Other translations said that they made known abroad. In other words, they didn't keep it to themselves. Man, as they returned back, every store that they went to, every restaurant, every, every camel watering station, whatever it was, man, they were telling, man, could you, do you know about what happened in Bethlehem? Everywhere they went. In verse number 20, it says, then the shepherds returned. Returned where? Back to their fields. Back home. They took the message there with them too. They returned. So they took it to their homes. They took it to their workplace. They took it to the job site. They took it to the field. They, they shared it with some of the shepherds that may have to, that stayed behind. They shared it with some of their sons that would have normally been out there that night, but maybe they were at home. And they shared it back home. Not just everywhere they went, not just back home, but you'll notice they shared it with each other. In verse number 15, it says, The shepherds said to one another, Let us go down. Let us see. And they came, verse number 16, and they, with haste, and they found. Man, they were talking about this stuff between them. Opportunities to make widely known this great, great message. You know, we brag on a lot of things. I know this morning we were, we were talking about, in, in our faith builders, we were talking about cooking. Cooking black-eyed peas, that's one of my favorites. Be honest, how many of you, that's your New Year's tra tradition, you have black-eyed peas on New Year's Day? I have no clue why that's a tradition. All I know is, it's got to be heavenly. <laughs> I wonder if Jesus had, had New Year uh, black-eyed peas. We have that too. But uh, anyway, I have no idea. We're talking about that, you're right. 
Uh, I'm sure some of you this morning, some were joyful, others were not. Talk about yesterday's football games. I'm sorry, Brother Edel. We love you, man. We love you, man. The next year, there you go, next year. I've been saying that for a while, too. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. We talk about these things. We brag on these things. Why don't we brag on Jesus? Brag about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. The great things he has done. Do it at work, at home, among each other. Getting together during the week with someone in the church. Having a Starbucks together, a Chick-fil-A sandwich, Popeye's sandwich. Whatever it is, whichever one's best. I really don't care. I just like chicken, amen? <laughs> Taking a family out to dinner and, you know, talking about, talking about family and talking about kids and talking about work. And then talk about scripture and Jesus a little bit too, you know? This is how you build the church. It's one of the ways you do it. But they made widely known this saying. These shepherds are integral, an integral part of the story of the birth of Christ. Primarily because they saw, they heard, and they shared. I'm going to close with some application points here. And, and um, as we close this thing out this morning, just some, a couple of thoughts, a couple of questions actually. One is this. What does my daily life say about what I believe? Obviously, meeting Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the angelic host, the angel, that said much about the, about the message, didn't it? What does your life say about the message? What does my daily life say about what I believe? What you do at work? What does your time card say? Meeting your quotas at work or your productivity, does it say... You're a believer in King Jesus and that you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The words that we say, the conversations that we have, that we're involved in, dealing with our children, faithfulness in whatever areas of life we should be faithful in. What does my daily life say about what I believe? Number two, when people see my gospel, what do they see? What do they see? When you talk to them about the love of God, you talk to them about it in such a way that we truly want to receive it and they want part of that? Or do you, or are you hypocritical about it? You give them the love of Jesus, then turn around and yell at your kids all day long. It's either amen or oh me. One of the two. When people see my gospel, what do they Oh yes, Jesus has saved me. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I know we all have bad days, don't we? We have bad days. I have bad days too. What gospel do they see? So we've started upon a new year in relation to the story here. I want to challenge you to act upon God's great commission and his command. Make it a point to make him known widely. Let them see it so they can believe it. Set some spiritual goals. Maybe it's handing out one tract a month, a gospel tract. Maybe it's one a week. Maybe it's one a day. I don't know. 
Maybe it's inviting one family to church a month, just one time a month, 12 a year. Maybe it's getting together with a church member and their family and, and, and growing in Christ together. Maybe doing that once a month. Maybe setting aside a time to, to, to pray for the lost, to pray for missionaries, to pray for that, that one that you may have. I want to challenge you. People got to see the gospel, folks, and they've got to believe it. But guess where they're going to see it and hear about it? From us. So we have to be on our spiritual game. I want to challenge you as we go into a new year to make him widely known. And people will be drawn to him. I can promise you that. Let's pray this morning. I thank you for your attention. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you are one of those people I described earlier. You've been contemplating the gospel. You've been contemplating Jesus. You've been contemplating heaven. You're not quite sure about that. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe you're at a point now where you say, you know what? I truly am thinking about receiving Christ as my Savior. You can do that right now, right here. But it's past Christmas, Pastor. It doesn't matter. Anytime, day or night, anywhere, it doesn't matter where it's at, in a church, at home. But I'll tell you what, the sooner the better. Would you be willing right now? Listen, you've heard the message. Hopefully, seeing the message as we read God's Word, it becomes visual in our minds that there's a God who loved you. There's a Savior who was born of a virgin who came to this earth to die for you and die for your sins, die in your place. And he rose from the dead three days later. There is a Savior who loves you like you cannot even begin to imagine. Would you call upon him this morning? You've been contemplating, you've been thinking about it. Well, you've just heard about it. Would you receive him this morning? Would you appropriate him this morning? Would you receive him into your life? You could call out to him right now to say, Dear God, I'm not quite sure how to do this. I do know that I need help to get to heaven. I can't do it on my own. I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that you are holy. And I know I can't get into heaven on my own. So God, right now, as best as I know how, I'm calling out to you, and I want to believe upon you. I believe on your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he's God. I believe that he died for my sins and that he rose from the dead. And God, right now, I ask you to come into my life and save me, forgive me, cleanse me. I receive you and trust you as my only way to heaven. You know, if you did that and you truly meant it with all your heart, God saved you. The Holy Spirit of God just entered your life. Or maybe you're still contemplating. That's okay. But I encourage you to make a decision soon. Believers, how effective, how prolific have we been at making him known widely? Have we been showing people Jesus? Have we been speaking to them about Jesus so that they might believe? Seeing is believing. Maybe our lives are not what they should be. 
people don't believe because of that, well, then we need to get right with the Lord. Fathers, we have this invitation time. Speak to each and every one of us. Help us all to be faithful in the call that you've given us. And Lord, it started with these shepherds, making you known widely. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together.